So, Kaylin, who are we going to cancel today? How about we cancel Kanye West and his anti-Semitism? Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, there's so much we could cancel this week, but that seems like a good place to go. Hey everyone, I'm Caitlin Burns. And I'm Oliver Ash Klein. And you're listening to Cancel Me Daddy. The show where we take a closer look at all of the panic around cancel culture. With thoughtful analysis. And verbal shitposting. Okay, so Caitlin, there's something that I want to cancel. Okay, let's get into it. I want to cancel the concept of mail. Oh no, what happened? Well, so first of all, I just find mail to be really overwhelming. Like you get a lot of mail. Mm -hmm. Some of it is junk mail. You have to go through it. Some things need to be shredded because of, you know, identity theft stuff, I guess. So it's, and it's just this whole whole hassle, right? Mail uh-huh. is just such a hassle. And so I need to get my driver's license renewed. And so I had my mom um, send me my birth certificate. Uh-huh. And it it didn't arrive. It oh, just didn't no. come. I have the tracking number. I've checked with USPS. They like it was apparently delivered to my address and it was in a like really nondescript envelope. So like no mm-hmm. one wanted it. Like and it just and isn't just, there. I'm checking with my neighbors. It has my dead name on it. So I'm having to go that. around and be like, hi, I'm Oliver. But also this mail I'm looking for has this other name on it and tell everyone my dead name. Like, it's yeah. it's just a blast. What a nightmare. <laughs> Maybe it just got lost in the mail. I don't know. It said that like they, they apparently have like GPS tracking now and like they do a scan where they deliver it. And it was yeah. apparently delivered to the right building and like. I know that my neighbors didn't get it because they're like really good about this stuff. Yeah. And so I, I just don't know what happened. And I, I'm very frustrated because I'm doing yeah. a lot to get my life together and like things just keep going wrong, but I'm trying so hard and I'm going to keep trying and it's going to be okay. I think you're going to make it eventually. You just have to power through it. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so I am excited about today's episode. Can you tell us a Me little too. bit about what's coming? Yeah, I had a conversation with uh, Tal Levin, who is an amazing writer, a friend of mine, um, who's an expert on the far right and anti-Semitic hate movements um, and just far right hate movements in general. Uh, and we had a really great talk about Kanye West and what's been going on with him uh, recently, although I have to say, we had a plethora of options for show topics this week um, with everything that's going on. And of course, the election that's coming up uh, next week. So um, but I thought this was a a really important issue area that we haven't done a whole lot of coverage on to date. And uh, the conversation that we had with Tal was really great. And before we get to the show, we, of course, have to do our our shameless (laughs) self-promo money plug. Um, So if you love this show, if you want more of it, you should become a Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash cancel me daddy. If everyone who listened to the show just gave $1, we would be have enough money to become a weekly show, which would be incredible. And so if you want to just give a one or three dollars tip. 
um, to help support the show. That would be awesome. We also have other perks like $5 you can um, submit to our out of console can- out of context cancellation. Um, there are other perks like getting the show early, et cetera, et cetera. It's patreon.com slash cancel me daddy. Okay, let's get to the show. We're very happy to have on the show today author Tal Levin, who wrote the book Culture Warlords, which is an excellent read. Uh, I recommend everybody go check it out. And they also produce a Substack newsletter called Sword and Sandwich that I also recommend people check out. Tal, uh, <clears throat> Tal, thank you for coming on. Yeah, my pleasure. Hope this doesn't mean I'm actually canceled. <laughs> no, we're going to talk about somebody else who was allegedly canceled, and that being Kanye West. Um, so for those who don't know, the the the, the rapper slash entrepreneur has had an, a not so great couple of weeks uh just spewing the most vile anti-semitism that you can think of and uh uh had a i think a contract canceled with adidas and a couple other business opportunities that kind of dried up as a result of it but i just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on everything that's gone down recently um when it comes to kanye west yeah i mean so it's like news moves so fast that it's like yeah. Ah, can we talk about the like rapper who said he wanted to kill all the Jews or like the murder attempt on the Speaker of the House? Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I think it's all in a continuum. Yeah. Uh, no, but but uh, Kanye or Ye or Yeezy or whatever, I think he's been going by Ye lately. Has just been okay. like <laughs> straight up like. He's like, I want to go DEFCON 3 on the Jews like two weeks ago. And then mm-hmm. ever since has just been like going on like podcasts. And also it's like these very, it's interesting. It's like the sort of collusion of the canceled. Um, mm-hmm. Or you have like his other big media appearances have been like on Chris Cuomo and like uh, Piers Morgan. Mm-hmm. Both of whom like were sort of taken out of the relevancy circulation and then are like, hmm, this guy seems to be in, like, a manic episode and spewing anti-Semitism. Like, well, let's interview him oh, to bring no. back our relevance. So it's just really, um, uh, like, a writhing rat king of grossness. <laughs> um, to me, the funny parts is when, like, he's like, the Jewish media is making me look unstable and violent. And, like, I don't know. Kind of seems like you're doing that all on your own. I think the concerning part for a lot of people is uh, I don't know if incident is the right word, but like the whole incident of his comments uh, have sort of poured gasoline on an already burning fire of anti-Semitism. Would you say that that is an accurate way to say it? Yeah, I mean, like, it's really tempting to dismiss this as just, like, another frivolous sort of celebrity gossip story. And, of course, like, there are elements of that. Um, You know, there's also, like, mental illness elements. Like, you know, he's sort of complaining that I think he was diagnosed at one point with bipolar, and now he's saying it was Jewish doctors who cast this aspersion on him. Um... What's also interesting is that, you know, none of what he said has been ambiguous in any fashion. Mm-hmm. Like, there isn't the winking. There isn't the sort of, like, 
globalists <laughs> um, and like all the various and multifarious um, euphemisms that sometimes get employed in this arena. Mm-hmm. He's just like, the Jews are bad. And like they, the Jews are sneaky and nefarious and in control. You know, the Jews are controlling these various industries for evil purposes. Um, Jews aren't really Jews. I want to kill them all. Like, it's like not ambiguous in any fashion. And yet, because he got kicked off Twitter again for saying like, I want to kill every Jew. Uh, like you have these defenders saying like, oh, what? Like he can't question, he can't speak the truth. And mm-hmm. it's like, what is the question? Is the the question, the Jewish question? Is that, is that the question? Um, you know, and then people kind of coming out with their own anti-Semitism and support. Like to me, it's just like, I have felt for a long time that there's this sort of always barely restrained current of like very intense anti-Semitism in this country mm-hmm. roiling like just underneath the surface. And sometimes it crackles out in like, you know, a synagogue massacre mm-hmm. or, you know, like many, many other sort of lower profile incidents, like, you know, graveyards being desecrated and swastikas painted on synagogues, like stuff like this is like fairly routine. Mm-hmm. Um, anti-Semitism yeah, is the absolute core of like the far right of white nationalism. And so what was interesting about Kanye's comments is that immediately they were taken advantage of by far right groups. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, there's this like far right group in California, the Goyim Defense League. Yeah. Um, Goyim is like the Hebrew word for Gentiles. It like does not really have a negative connotation, but Mm-hmm. Um, neo Nazis love calling themselves Goyim because uh, they're like we speak your language. Like congratulations, mm-hmm. so, like <laughs> the most common word. Yeah. Um, and you're not even like using it correctly. It <laughs> was like a far right group called the Jewish Defense League. Mm-hmm. They appropriated that, um, and so the um, the Goyim Defense League did a banner drop on the 405 in LA where they put out a banner that was like, honk if you know Kanye West was right about the Jews. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, Revelations 3-9, which is like, and I shall call you the synagogue of Satan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or like I was getting, you know, a particular barrage of anti-Semitism that week and a bunch of the comments were like, Kanye was right about you people. And I'm like, okay, cool. So what we're yeah. seeing is like, a created permission structure and right. like uh, an easy sort of talking point or touch point for people already committed to sort of genociding the Jews. Um, I was reminded, uh, I think it was last weekend was the four year anniversary of the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting. And the only reason I know this is because that's the weekend that I got my cat. <laughs> um, oh, no, so no. actually pe- people who listen might not know this, but uh mass shootings really hit me hard i was in high school when columbine happened and i remember that weekend so very clearly because we had a whole rash of shootings all over the country and i was covering all of them and then that shooting happened and i immediately decided okay i can't like live in this world by myself uh here in in dc at the time i've since moved away so that's the weekend that i got my cat but like, tell us what it's like to just exist as a 
Jewish American person right now in this political moment? Well, I think, you know, especially for people who live on the coast Mm -hmm. um, and in big cities, like there isn't the knowledge that millions of Americans have just never met a Jew. Mm -hmm. Like they have gone their whole lives and like never met a Jew or like maybe they met a Jew and didn't know. And this really blows the mind of people from like New York or LA or where they're like big established Jewish communities but it's like 10% of the Jewish population of America like lives in those two cities alone. So it's like, you know, really uneven distribution. We are an urban people. (laughs) Um, Like in part because like our worship, we can't, we don't drive on the Sabbath, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And for, if you're talking about communal worship within walkable distance, like that demands sort of a, a more, gathered space Mm -hmm. that's just like one sort of exemplar of like being a jew in america is always weird yeah like at best it is weird and Mm -hmm. and often uncomfortable like this year in particular with roe it's like there are these laws and they directly go counter to like like jewish law jewish law is very uncompromising about saving the life of the mother um over the life of the fetus in every circumstance yeah up to and including like mental health. And and this is like written out in like the Talmud and there are countless rulings for that. So, um, you know, but when you're a religious minority in an like overtly Christian country, it's just already an uncomfortable position. And then the added benefit of like all of these insane like myths and rumors and weird tangles of reputation that precede you. So like one thing that was interesting, I wrote an article about this whole Kanye business uh-huh. and I kind of talked about how being a Jew in America feels like this high wire act. Like a lot of us came post Holocaust, like my grandparents, you know, survived the Holocaust uh, and came here. There's always the sense of like borrowed time, looking over your shoulder you know, because, you know, Jews had a golden age in Germany yeah. before uh, before shit went down. Um, so it's like prosperity and acceptance are sort of, if you have innate ancestral paranoia, it's like, uh, these seem like temporary conditions. <laughs> um, and it's like, there's always been this question of like a friend in Canada who keeps asking like, what's the point in which you're going to cut and run? Yeah. So one thing I, I just like put out there in a tweet when I tweeted out the article was like, lots of Americans have never met a Jew, but like every American Jew has had an experience of someone getting really, really weird about them being Jewish. And I got like so many responses of just like people talking about, you know, mm-hmm. oh, like someone checked my head for horns, constant, you know you people are so good with money. Like, I can't believe you really don't believe in Jesus. You killed Jesus. And like, again and again, the, the some people lose all common sense when they're encountered with a real life Jew. And then the other sort of two big incidents of anti-Semitism that like have been sticking out besides Kanye, if we're talking about just like public sphere, weird old anti-Semitism was like, Trump did a truth social a bit ago where he's like, evangelicals are more grateful for what I do in Israel, like than American Jews and American Jews should like shape up before it's too late. Mm-hmm. Cause he always talks like he's like a third rate gangster and like a 
Martin Scorsese B-list film. And then Doug Mastriano, who is the GOP candidate for governor in Pennsylvania, has been making these pretty... First of all, he's every bad element of the far right that that like people like me have been like, this is a matter for concern, is like is like an integral element of the Mastriano campaign, <laughs> like militias to like like Christian prophets who are like uh, prophesying the you know Trump as savior to just like the whole raft, whatever concerning element you have, whether it's like the the armed gangs or the sort of doomsayers or the election deniers are all like you know integral yeah. elements of Mastriano's campaign so uh, Mastriano's opponent Josh Shapiro is Jewish and Mastriano has been making these comments that are just like uh, he went to like elite schools he went to a, a Jewish day school um, you know he's not really like one of a, like it's just like very Mm-hmm. very, very thinly veiled anti-Semitism. Mastriano was not a subtle guy mm-hmm. and Shapiro sort of called him out on it. So Mastriano and his wife, they did a, a presser. They were like, well, we love Israel more than the Jews do. And so I saw that. There's this common theme there of like a totally different strain of anti-Semitism than the Kanye sort of classic protocols of the elders of zion like the international jew like shit but like no less pernicious and like arguably more influential and that's um christian zionism do you know much about christian zionism kate uh i know just enough to know that i don't want to know more (laughs) so how would you describe it evangelicals who support israel uh because their uh, apocalypse fantasy prophecy whatever uh, requires the destruction of Israel before the return of Jesus. Did I get that at all right? I mean, yeah, like pretty damn close. Like there's this there's this really dominant philosophy in American Christianity, especially American evangelicalism and Protestantism, called premillennial dispensationalism. Whatever, it's just like Jesus is going to have a thousand year reign on earth and like um let's bring about that let's make it happen basically it's just like the end times are nigh and like let's bring them about is a huge Mm -hmm. part of uh uh, american christianity um and this element specifically of sort of end times prophecy and obsession with the apocalypse has become more and more prominent um since like roughly the 1970s so like um how Lindsay came out with this book, The Late Great Planet Earth. That was a huge bestseller. Uh-huh. And then in the 90s, um, there's the Left Behind series. So, you know, it was a series of novels. I actually picked them up by accident as comic books during my Batman phase. And then I was like, wait. Yeah. And like, teenage me was like, oh, cool. Okay, interesting. Oh, wait, this is weird. Why do they keep talking about Jesus? Um, and then I figured it out eventually um and there's also like a a kirk cameron sort of like straight to vhs movie adaptation it's this very like intense apocalypse fantasy um with biblical Mm -hmm. scholarship by this guy tim lahay um and all of them lay out this very concrete vision for the end of the world like Um, you know, the rapture will happen and it's half the people of the world like zapped out of their beds. Um, But also like it is 
impossible to overstate how central Israel is in all of these um, constructions, which are presented as like, this is what the Bible says, even if it's like very intense extrapolation from, you know, like the weird mess that is revelation of the book. Uh, But, but they're all like, basically like all the Jews have to be in Israel Jesus will return and a small remnant of the Jews will convert the righteous remnant. Uh, and then ev- like all the other Jews will perish like in fire and sword. Holy shit. So the essential Christian Zionist fantasy is like, we need to get all of you guys over there so you can convert or die <laughs> when Messiah yeah. returns. So it's like, it is a fantasy of elimination. So it's like, yeah, we love Israel more than the Jews do. It's like, well, okay, no, you you love an apocalypse fantasy where we die. Yeah. Um, because, like, the return of your Messiah is, like, central. Like, our death is, like, like the the key to the return of the Messiah. Like, the, the Left Behind series mm-hmm. is, like, opens, like, with, you know, some scholar discovering something in Israel. Like, you see all those infomercials, like, on evangelical channels about Israel, like prayers for Israel. Bolsonaro's wife um, went to vote yesterday in like an Israel t-shirt. All of this is like totally Christian Zionism. Um, Yeah. The Israeli government is kind of like cynically, they're just like, okay, cool. So your fantasy of our elimination is contingent on Jesus returning. Like, I guess we'll take our chances. Um, so they've sort of forged this partnership with, um, evangelicals, particularly U.S. evangelicals, but also Brazilian evangelicals, Mm -hmm. but it has like not been without its price in that this is a very, 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 very right wing milieu. And like the Israeli government has been beholden to, and therefore extremely like right wing over the past couple of decades. Mm Um, yeah. And again, this is all about Israel and the Jews. Like the existence of Palestinians is like, they're, they're like, okay, just kill all the Palestinians. They're not relevant. Mm -hmm. Like they're super, super hard line on, on the Palestinians and that they're like, well, these guys don't really fit into the whole beautiful end of the world where all the Jews are over there. So Mm -hmm. they're like obsessed with killing Palestinians too. Um, Or just like when they Mm -hmm. even bother to think about it. But at any rate, I think it's interesting that like, a huge amount of American foreign policy is like literally dictated by the apocalyptic fantasies of people who are like, gotta maneuver the chessboard into place so that like all the Jews die at the right time. That is a uh, very horrifying. It's also just like as an American Jew, it like totally negates any idea I have about my existence from like, I actually was born here. I have a history here. Yeah. You know, half my family was accepted here as refugees. Half my family has been living here for generations. Um, I consider myself an American. And the sort of just studied insult of viewing, like, every Jew as just, like, like Israelis in potentia, like, chessboard pieces for, like, somebody else's apocalypse. It's, like, such a gross yeah. instrumentalizing vision. Like... And then it also ends in our annihilation. So it's like with friends like these, you know, who needs enemies? They, and they look at us and they're, you just feel the 
blood behind the smile. Like, it's so creepy. Like, I'm like, you want to acquire me, like, and use me. And like, it's so fucking creepy. Um, But like the the sort of school that's most obsessed with end times prophecies is called charismatic evangelism. And it is the fastest growing segment of the American church by far. Oh, okay. Yikes. There are these people who claim themselves to be prophets and apostles, and they have these revivals Uh and, um, you know, prophetic healing. And and, uh, it's very ecstatic, and it is like a very fast-growing segment of of the American church. Do you think the stuff with Kanye will uh, sort of speed that along, that growth? It's interesting. It's like, like you could sort of, like say these are two different kinds of American anti-Semitism. They're different, like maybe never the twain shall meet. Like Uh Kanye's comments come like straight out of like a very long, very old, like very stale history of like shit people say about the Jews. Like it's very classic. It's like straight like vintage like henry ford or like erwiga judah like this idea of like racial cunning and like um you know in-group solidarity to fuck over everyone else it's the protocols of the elders of zion stopped Mm -hmm. and screwed for 2022 um but it's like very (laughs) samey um like oh yeah really we control the media to fuck you over personally Kanye West okay um (laughs) all of Jewish history has led up to this moment where we decided to make Kanye West look unstable and bad okay so I thought all of Jewish history led to this moment where we could turn everybody transgender Mm. (laughs) but apparently I was mistaken so oh my god I sound so contentious (laughs) This is the trouble with being invited to podcasts to talk about, like, the, sh- the thing I wrote a book about is, like, I'm going to tell a joke. And I'm like, actually, I have a lecture. <laughs> lecture away, please. This is why we have- we're having you on here. No, well, I mean, I was like, I was like a trans Jew. I'm just like, yikes. This is like, yeah. yikesy time to be alive in this country. Mm. And, like, especially on the eve of the midterms, I'm like, meh. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> How's that? How's this going to be? Anyway, it's like, so the reason why like the far right seizes on someone like Kanye, who like has more mainstream presence than like the fucking Goyim Defense League that no one's ever heard of. um, Yeah. Because it gives them, you know, purchase to talk about the ideas they already have. But like, Mm -hmm. when you look at what the ideas of the far right has it's like a lot of people have been like pretty surprised when i tell them about how anti-semitism works like on the far right because they're just like like aren't jews white and i'm like yeah like a lot of us are of european descent and like white passing although that's a fairly new phenomenon (laughs) um Mm -hmm. it's like in the last few decades um but you know the core of the white supremacist objection to Jews is that is that people think we're white they're like you infiltrated whiteness to destroy it from within that Mm -hmm. is like their core accusation against the Jews is that we have we're like these double agents 
um, who've, who've snuck inside the heart of whiteness in order to like bite its pure and innocent heart and suck it dry yeah. like the vampires we are. Um, and there are many ways that we do that. So I asked myself, like, what is the role that anti-Semitism serves in the white nationalist movement on the far right more broadly, where anti-Semitism is just sort of de rigueur? And the answer is, like, it is their intellectual structure. Like, it, it is mm-hmm. the way they explain things. <laughs> They're like, okay, you know, because they come out and say, like, there are self-evident principles for how the world should be, like, gender roles should be fixed and women should be, you know, inferior and and submissive and, um, you know, the white race should be on top of things without question. Um, And this is the natural order of things. So then like, Mm -hmm. well, if this is the natural order of things, why are things different than that? And the answer Mm -hmm. to that, my friend, is uh, it's a Jewish plot. So all of all of it, trans people, Jewish plot. Uh, you know, gay people, that's a Jewish plot too, to decrease white fertility. Like immigration, it's white genocide because of the Jews, which is why oh, no. that theory is why, why the Pittsburgh shooting happened. I mean, it's really just, it gets really old, but it's like that is their singular explanation yeah. for why stuff, It like feminism is a Jewish plot. There were a lot of Jewish feminists. I think that's like awesome, like Shalama Firestone yeah. or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, I think you and I have talked about Magnus Hirschfeld before. Yes. Yeah. So Magnus, uh, Hirschfeld was a 19, like 20s, 30s, uh, German sexologist. He had a sexology clinic in Berlin. It was basically his clinic that first pioneered like the, uh, it's actually the the same gender reassignment surgery for trans women that we have today. So they were sort of like the inventors of of that technique. And his clinic and, and most of the works uh, that were recorded uh, at his clinic were actually burned by the literal German Nazis in the 1930s. In fact, a lot of the famous, you know, Nazi book burning photos that we still have are actually uh, Nazis, you know, burning the records of this LGBT sexology clinic uh, from Berlin. Um, But also uh, Magnus was Jewish and that, you know, definitely played a big part in it. And, and you see parallels of that today in the uh, the anti-trans political movement where we're still having to deal with this crossover. Um, Anti-Semitism slash transphobia, the classic enduring hit. It's just like so telling to me that like those photos of like the giant book burning in the Ber- Berlin's biggest square were these priceless archives. Like Hirschfeld was like this seemed like a really good dude who like dedicated his life to like talking to uh and treating like the weimar republic's like sizable like lgbtq community and he was just like okay you want to be a woman like let's make that happen and 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 he did all this ethnography and like had all these records and it it literally it's like only now are we like maybe approaching that level of sort of openness and it was like so much progress was lost it literally in the fires and the other thing too is the patient records from his clinic were not burned they were confiscated by the state police and used to later round up lgbt people for camps 
Um, and then at the end of World War II, when the camps were liberated, most of the people that were, you know, put into the Nazi camps for being LGBT were kept there even by the Western powers, you know, in the United States and Great Britain and France, you know, came in and sort of had the administrative state over West Germany. They still kept the imprisonment of the LGBT Nazi prisoners going after the war. So, you know, we're still struggling with this legacy now, 80 years later. Yeah. And I think you see a lot in anti-trans rhetoric, this idea that like, you know, it's this agenda, it's this plot, it is backed by greater powers, right? And like, Mm-hmm. very often that kind of rhetoric is like a sneeze away from anti-Semitism and there, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there have been sort of turfs who have like very much trod into that territory of, of sort of like it's, it's the Jews. Yeah. I don't want to name any names because some of them are quite litigious. Uh, but yes, that's correct. Like the Jews are trying to make your kids trans. <laughs> um, and we see that also in the anti-LGBT movement, more broadly, the one that's sort of mm-hmm. red-jawed hysteria right now, like whipping up violence against queer people and this obsession with schools, like the rally to end child mutilation that fucking Matt Walsh created. And there is an element of anti-Semitism there as well. Like it is very much mm-hmm. maybe like just under the surface, but not very far. It's like, oh yeah, and like they are... Yeah. trying to make your kids gay they are trying to mutilate your kids and then like well who's they mm-hmm. and um because anti-semitism is sort of the or template of conspiracy theory in the west it's, it's got like a thousand years on on all other forms of conspiracy you know it's right mm-hmm. there right under the surface yeah well tom i'm sure we could talk about this all day but i do want to respect your time <laughs> Um, so I think we're going to go ahead and wrap this up, but I just wanted to know, like, is there anything, uh, about all of this that maybe we didn't touch on that you think is important for our audience? Oh God. I mean, the thing about anti-Semitism is it's very like, like you think it's this small issue and then you realize it touches so many other things. Mm -hmm. It's like this weird arthropod with a lot of limbs that just like wherever like a reactionary group is like i don't like this element of progress like there is some part of them that is like finding the jews to blame um mm-hmm. anti-semitism has been an integral part of western culture since about the 11th century you can look back at to around like like the black death to find your first sort of like jews are in a cabal colluding like around the whole world to create the plague as vengeance. And so that sort of like cabal, secret society um, plot idea is like that old. And, and that's why it's so foundational to so many conspiracy theories. And so, you know, if I sound a little wild-eyed like describing it, that's just because like by its very nature, it makes like defending against it <laughs> makes you seem like you're playing into it. It's really hard to find that way. How can our listeners find your work? So um, if everyone's fleeing, everyone's fleeing Twitter, it uh-huh. seems, under the reign of our like apartheid emerald 
meme king. Um, so uh, I guess please subscribe to my Substack, The Sword and the Sandwich. I know that's mm-hmm. a mouthful, but it's it's all there. I write about the American right, and then every Friday I write about a different sandwich. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, please check out my book, Culture Warlords, um, which has been out for a while, but the first chapter in particular is like a capsule history of American anti-Semitism mm-hmm. that I think is a very useful reference point for where we are. Good. Well, I hope our listeners will check that out. Uh, Tal, thank you for th- thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So, Caitlin, are you yes. ready for some out of context cancellations? Yes, of course. I was born ready, baby. Let's go. So one of our listeners asked to cancel washer dryer stacks having a bad washer, but the dryer's fine, but they don't make the model of washer anymore. So you have to get both of them replaced, which that's annoying. That sounds very annoying. Yeah, that sounds very annoying. I will say Uh I'm jealous that our listener has a washer and dryer in unit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I miss, I miss having a washer dryer on the premises. (laughs) See, I have one in the basement and it's real dusty down there. Um, and it's like coin operated, even though this is like (laughs) a four unit house. So, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, at least you have one on the premises, but yes, um, in unit is is better In unit Mm -hmm. is better. Totally. Um, but I'm sorry that one of them broke and you have to replace it and it's a nightmare because that's, that still is really annoying, even though I'm a little bit jealous of you. Like your problems are still real. So um. keeping with the home repair theme, another listener wants to cancel their HVAC system dying without warning. Ooh, yeah. Mm-mm. And this is a tough time of year for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I think this is a really good one. The wildfires in Oregon and Washington. Hate that shit. Uh, at least they weren't started by gender reveal parties this time. No, but of. they will be again. This we know they true. will be again. <laughs> okay, this is my favorite out of context cancellation this yeah. week. Um, how about we cancel everything and just have a nice little vacation? <laughs> that sounds good. I really want that. Can we do that? <laughs> can we just can't can can the cancel daddy sure. make that happen for everybody? <laughs> just mean, cancel do you have everything. That power? Um, I think so. Okay. Well, cool. it is decreed. I wish. Okay. Oof. What else do we got? Okay. Um, so someone asked to cancel straight people, which I generally agree with, but some trans people are straight. Aren't you a little bit straight, Caitlin? I'm a little bit straight. Yes. Unfortunately, it's uh, more of a curse, really. <laughs> um... <laughs> yeah. So not all straight people. Um I mean, I will sit here and accept my cancellation if uh, if if that's what it takes. So, you know. <laughs> um, how about cis straight people? I'm down with canceling the cis straight people. I mean, I feel like that uh, takes up a good percentage of our listenership too. So, oh yeah, no, that's yeah. true. I mean, mm. not all of our listenership. Like, I bet you our listenership is queerer than most shows, but like. I bet you there's some cis people in there. Some of you are okay, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) 
am I negging our listeners? Is that what happening I mean, right now? I mean, they can absolve their sins by contributing to our Patreon, right? That sounds so great. We'll just be the queer Roman Catholic Church over here. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was pretty good. Um some other out of context cancellation are suburban lawns and homeowners associations doing yeah. a lot of like home stuff this week. It's like um uh it's like uh HGTV over here. Oh my gosh. Okay, so I am uh, relatedly I'm like uh-huh. trying to get my my life together like like yes. I mentioned at the beginning of the show and part of that is like just kind of like redoing and like making my apartment like look yeah. nice. Um, and I've gotten really into, um, like, home renovation shows. <laughs> so, listeners, Amazing. if you if you have recommendations for ones that are good, because so many of them are so bad, um, and also ones that are, like, design heavy, mm-hmm. I would love to hear them. So please tweet <laughs> at us, email us. I want to hear about them. Um, and, uh, yeah. And I have no idea what this next one is. Oh, I do. Um, so cancel. The next one is cancel making the perfect quiplash entry and fucking it up with a typo. What is quiplash? So I'm it's one of the <sighs> Jackbox games where like what is you, a Jackbox game? OK, a Jackbox game is a game where you can play with your friends uh-huh. and they have like different um, different. There's different games and they're really funny and they're really fun group games. Okay. Uh, let me look up which one Quiplash is real quick. Okay. Maybe this is too much context. Yeah. So basically a Quiplash, it's like a game that you can play from your phone with the TV and okay. it like gives you a prompt. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at their website right now and one of the like potential prompts is something you'd be surprised to see a donkey do. And so okay. you and all your friends write something that you'd be surprised to see a donkey do. And then you have everyone votes on what's the best answer and whoever mm-hmm. gets the most votes wins. Okay. And so someone had a really good one, but spelled it wrong. No, yeah. what a tragedy. Such as tragedy. Yeah. And if you want to contribute to our out of context cancellations, you can do so on our Patreon. And you can also send us tips to keep our show going and get episodes early at patreon.com slash cancel me daddy. Today's show was made by me, Oliver Ash Klein, and my fabulous co-host, Caitlin Burns. Dee Peterson made our theme song and Eden MW designed our graphics. Our show is made possible by the incredible cancelers supporting our work, especially the member of our canceler Hall of Fame, with the great power to cancel all enemies, Meg. We appreciate your support. Happy canceling!